Welcome to America's Top Rebbitons. May this class be for Rafu Shalima, Farima Batmazal, and Lior Tovia Benhaya Ashna. I'm so excited to have on today's show Rebbiton Devorah Kegel. As a professional dating coach, Devorah Kegel has helped close to 200 women get clarity in their dating life and marry their Bashert. She also has been teaching classes for women on Judaism for close to 20 years. She has her master's in French and lived in Paris for two years before discovering Torah Judaism and becoming observant. She and her husband, Ruvain, who is the campus director for Emmet Outreach, hosts Shabbat guests every week. This was pre-COVID. Using humor and honesty, Deborah shares her, the entertaining personal journey that led her to develop powerful tools to have the relationships you desire. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. First of all, thanks, Vera. We go back a long way, and I'm really honored to be on your program. I think it's great what you're doing. Thank you so um, much. So first and foremost, I'm a wife and mom. I do want to say that. And that really is, as I tell my students all the time, um, my biggest accomplishment to raise healthy kids in our society is like the gold medal in the Olympics. So I really view that as my most important role, even though I am doing a lot of other things now. So um, I often tell women, one of my famous lines is that women can have it all, just not all at the same time. So when my kids were little, I definitely took a very hands-on role with them. I was a very hands-on stay-at-home mom. I did not Basically, I wasn't teaching at all. Maybe once a year, I would do an eight-part series for JICNY on women's issues in Judaism, but that was really it when my kids were little and I was very focused on them. And then as each one went to school, you know, um, during a full day, so then I added a little bit more into my schedule that was fulfilling for myself and using my, you know, my spiritual toolbox, as we say, um, of what you're good at. So then when my final one, who's now almost 15, went to school full-time, which was about 10 years ago, I really amped up my speaking, my teaching, and that's when I started my dating coaching business. Um, so at this juncture, I probably, I mean, pre-COVID, I was teaching two, three times a week. At this point, I do like probably one Zoom a week on average. Um, I go to speak at high schools, college programs, um, young professionals, married ladies, and I'm very, very busy now, thank God, with my coaching, mostly dating, though I do do marriage coaching. And I would say like with all the different hats that I wear, I really try to empower women and girls with self-respect and to just like give them the strength to demand good, good treatment from the people around them, particularly uh, men when they're dating and then obviously marriage as well. Um, I do want to mention, because many people are not clear about this, that I coach women of all different backgrounds. So even though I myself am an Orthodox Jew, um, I coach women of every background, Sephardi, Ashkenazi, not religious, religious, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, divorced, right? Everything. And as long as you are a woman and Jewish, I will coach you. Um, and I really, I probably half my clients are not, you know, observant Jews. So I'm really, I take off my Rebbitson hat, even though this is America's top Rebbitsons, I take off my Rebbitson hat and put on my dating coaching hat. And I'm very clear about like separating those two things when I'm doing one and not the other. 
Very nice. That's beautiful. And I know you help so many, so many women and uh, it's really, really beautiful for what you do. Um, I know that you have helped so many singles find their share, the person that we're, they were intended to marry. And I want to see if you could talk to us a little bit about how do you prepare women to meet their soulmate and how do they know that it's really the right one? Great. So I really helped women to clarify what we call their non-negotiables or the deal breaker list. This is my most important tool in coaching. And frankly, even for those of us who are married, I think that our biggest mistake we make in marriage is that we forget about our deal breaker list. We forget that we got someone who checked off the most important boxes, and then we turn our face to look at all the things that are not right, myself included. This is an, you know, I, I always say in my classes and everything, I, I'm talking to myself and everyone's just eavesdropping on my conversation. Like I'm working on this also, right? We have to constantly in marriage choose to focus on what's really important and the reasons why we married this person in the first place. And then the stuff that, okay, that he doesn't do exactly how we would like, we try to keep that over here, you know, in the peripheral vision. So as far as my dating clients go, we make a deal breaker list, which really comes from a very internal place in them family of upbringing, your unique soul, what you're looking for, past dating experience. And we make this list of things that they feel they cannot compromise on. I call it, this is part of what I call the Chalant recipe, right? For those of us who are Ashkenazi, or I think Sephardi is Chanim. Um, I think that's right. I don't remember exactly what it's called, but it's basically, you know, a stew. What are the, what are the ingredients in the stew of having a successful marriage. How do I know I'm dating my husband, right? So these are basically, this is the list that I came up with. I'm 23 years into this marriage project. So I have a little foot to stand on. So the deal breakers is first and foremost, right? This is a list of approximately 10 things, positive and negative, that for you, you feel you cannot compromise on. On the negative side, I call it airborne peanut allergies, right? Like I can't be in the same room as someone who is like this, right? And on the positive side, it's a must have. It's something that's just so crucial for my happiness and fulfillment, I must have that. That's my deal breaker list. And that really is one of my mo most powerful coaching tools. Obviously attraction has to be there. However, for women, we tend to become physically attracted when the emotional connection is in place. Yes. So I have many happily married clients where they were not attracted right away. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, like in the movies, they were like, okay, nice guy, decent looking. I don't know if I feel so connected. And I try to get them to keep dating him. And usually maybe it's five dates in, 10 dates in, maybe a month in, it really starts to increase kind of like the stock market. I try to tell them, right? It, it doesn't have to be like this, but it could be like this, right? But it's going up and they're feeling more and more emotionally connected. And that's when the physical attraction often kicks in, but we're not allowed according to Jewish law to marry someone we're not physically attracted to for obvious reasons. So that has to be there, but I just try to encourage women to give someone a chance. If he's a good guy and he has your deal breakers, we want to give a little bit of time for the attraction to click into place. So that's number two. Three is mutual respect, that both you and the guy are respectful to each other and you respect who he is in his like core. Four is affection, that you just, you know, you like to talk to him, you like to be with him, you miss him when you don't see him. This doesn't have to happen right away. But like, as the relationship progresses, if he goes on a business trip for a week and a half and you're like, 
Yeah. I didn't even notice like that's a, that's a flag. Um, common goals and values. Very important to discuss this early on. Do not wait till like six months into the relationship to discuss how you'd want to raise your kids Jewishly. Right. Or like, what are your values about money? This needs to be discussed early because we don't want to get emotionally attached to someone where it's just really not compatible. And then the last two people know who, who has listened to me speak, know these are my key lines. If I had to distill the, you know, your ideal spouse into two qualities, it would be what we call in Hebrew, a lev tov, which means a good heart and a growth oriented person. If he has a lev tov, he's a good person. He wants to make you happy. He wants to do the right thing. If he's growth oriented, he wants to learn how, <laughs> and that is particularly challenging for the male gender. I would argue to just like humble women are like, you know, give me more classes, give me more information. I'm reading 50 million books and podcasts because I want to be the best wife I can be for a man. Just their nature is that it's harder to say, I don't know all the answers. Therefore, when you're dating, you must, must, must clarify that this is a person who's a growth-oriented person and who has a mentor. It could be a rabbi, it could be a therapist, it could be a married uncle, just someone that he kind of will humble himself to, to get better techniques on how to be a better person or a better husband or to date better. Maybe he has a dating coach or a mentor. You know, it's just when you're dating someone and he literally will go to no one for advice, that's a red flag to me. Because in marriage, as we both know, um, if, you know, if someone is not coachable, if they refuse to like listen to a mentor, we're in big trouble. So that's definitely something that we want to pay attention to. Um, and I just want to mention that out of, we just had three clients get engaged this past week. Mazel we're up to 187, thank God, um, in 10 years. And these women are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, some second marriages, I have none of them who feel that they settled. Every woman that I coached was excited about the person they were marrying, no matter Amazing. what their age was. And that is really important because I know a lot of women say to me, you know, I feel like I have to settle. I'm, not, I'm X age, you know, I have to settle. And I always say, no, you don't. We just have to clarify what's really important because there is no Mr. Perfect, obviously. We just want Mr. Perfect for you. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yes. Very nice. Okay. That's great. Thank you. These are amazing tips that you gave it. And they're very, you know, they're very doable. They're very, um, they're very pinpointed, you know? So it's really easy. And, uh, you know, I, I do have, I have a really good question for you, but before I ask that one, I want, just want to see if maybe you could tell us um, what's one example of uh, something that somebody really does not want, you know, so, so something that is a red flag for somebody. Great. So I'll just talk about myself. Okay. Um, so for me, my top peanut allergies. Yes were a man with a temper, like yeah. who raised his voice mm -hmm. and number two, um, someone who's like arrogant, right? So those two things, like I can't be in the same room as a man who either raises his voice or is arrogant. So okay. I was looking for someone who really was like a positive person, even tempered personality. Um, and that was really first and foremost in my mind when I dated my husband, I did not have an easy road to meet him, by the way, which is why I became a dating coach to help people avoid my mistakes. Um, but when I met him, I was very focused on the fact that he was a positive person. He seemed very even tempered 
And he was, he was humble. He was not like an arrogant person. He was confident, but not arrogant. So that's, those are examples. That is really important. You're right. And I, I thank you for clarifying that, dis, that uh, distinction between confident and arrogant. I think it's really important. Yes. And so then I guess for you, what, what was uh, for you on the positive side? What were you looking for in a husband? So I was definitely looking for someone who um, was a very positive person. Mm-hmm. I, I can sort of go either way like positive or negative. And I was really looking to become a more positive person mm-hmm. and, you know, look for the positive. And my husband is like that to the extreme. So, um, so I was, you know, marriage is in Judaism, it's called shlemut, which means completion. Mm-hmm. So we tend to subconsciously or even consciously look for someone that completes us. And again, this does not mean that we're looking for perfection. We're looking for someone who kind of fits together with us like this, where you're strong, where he's weak and he's strong where you're weak in general, it doesn't have to be exactly, we don't want to look for someone identical to us. Cause that would be boring. We're looking for someone who compliments us, who, yes. you know, we're looking to fill a lack that we have, and he's looking to fill a lack that we have. So my husband will tell you in a second that he very much wanted to be a more driven, ambitious, like go-getter type person. And he saw immediately when, like on our first date, he saw that I'm that type of person. Mm -hmm. And he will tell you if he was here that he married me. I mean, obviously there were, (laughs) there were other things, but primarily, you know, in his mind, his positive deal breaker, let's say, you know, his non-negotiable was I'm looking, he was looking for someone who could kind of by osmosis, help him to be that super driven person. And like, thank God, you know, I've rubbed off on him over the years. (laughs) We both have, but that's the beauty of marriage, right? Is that you, you hopefully rub off the good traits on each other. And, and again, come to this shlemut, this completion. It's really beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. In a marriage, you, in a marriage, you help each other grow. That's really, you know, two people come together to really help each other grow. It's so important. Yes. And I do want to mention that I just did a whole class on this. That's that's on zoom on the Emmet website, which is my husband's organization. I called it why is marriage so hard and what to do about it. Some people gave me a hard time for that title. They said it's too negative, but honestly, after 23 years of marriage, I see like my dating clients will often think subconsciously or consciously, as long as I choose correctly, I'm going to sail off into the sunset happily ever after, like every Disney movie we watched and or romantic comedy and married women like newly married will call me frantically. I think I made the wrong choice. I think I made the wrong decision about who to marry because we're we're fighting. And I'm like, welcome to life. Right. Like (laughs) if if marriage is about if life is about growth and marriage is about growth then it can't be smooth sailing all the time. There has to be that little bit of tension. Otherwise I'm not stretching myself. Our husbands are very different creatures than us. Gender wise, my husband is Russian, as you know. So there's a cultural divide as well. And then just different people that grew up differently. So inevitably it shouldn't be shocking to us where we're like, marriage is challenging. That should not be shocking. That should be our expectations should be geared that way that like marriage is going to be challenging. Hopefully we choose someone that we have fun with through the challenges. That's the way that I put it, but there are definitely going to be moments in the best marriages where you're like, Oh my gosh, why does he think that? Like, how can he look at the world that way? Great. Welcome to life. That's, that's healthy, normal growth. Exactly. I totally agree. 
Um, but, you know, speaking about those sometimes negative aspects of marriage, we want to kind of try to avoid as many as we can before we get married and while we're dating. So what are some of the red flags and the pitfalls the women should look for when they're dating? Okay, great. So um, this is the most important decision of our life, right? Who to marry? We know the divorce rate is quite high. We don't want to be in that statistic. Therefore, we want our brain fully functioning, right? I always say to my clients and my students, you would never go buy a used car if you were drunk or high. Why? Sure. <laughs> because you would get a lemon. You would 100% get a lemon, right? So <clears throat> this is infinitely more important as a decision than buying a car. And yet we drug ourselves up with an amazing cocktail of hormones, uh, dopamine, you know, oxytocin, right? That the new love hormones that, that really prevent us from being objective. So one of the things that I try to get my clients to do, again, regardless of where they are in the religious spectrum, is to date without the physical involved, at least in the beginning of the relationship. Oxytocin is called the bonding hormone. And it's released into a woman's bloodstream whenever she's physical, even a hug, but certainly the more down the line, the more oxytocin. So now I'm bonded with Joe, who may or may not be worth bonding to, right? I don't even <laughs> know him. I don't even like know if he has my deal breakers. I don't know if we have common goals and values. I don't know if we're on the same page with anything, but now I'm bonded to him and the rose colored glasses curtain falls down. And then I'm just like, oh my goodness, in la la land, I have zero chance of being objective. So I try to get my clients to date smart, not harder, smarter, which means in the beginning of a relationship, at least to take the physical off the table and really be as objective as possible. You know, we don't want to miss red flags and we will miss them if we're drugging ourselves up and in la la land and all the, you know, et cetera, we want to really be paying attention. I always tell women, you know, pay attention to the people he's not trying to impress because you, he's trying to impress. He's trying to put his best foot forward. How does he treat the waitress when she brings the wrong food? Does he start yelling at her? Does he speak disrespectfully to her? How does he react when he's cut off in traffic? How does he treat the cashier at the rest, you know, at the grocery store? How do you hear him speaking to his mother on the phone? We want to pay attention like a detective to all these little, these little quote, quote, little things. We don't want to be just on the date and like, oh, he's so nice. We want to be paying attention to the clues. If someone has what's called bad midot, bad character, 90% of the time it will seep out the side eventually, right? Like you, he's frontal, he's trying to impress you, but you'll see it seep out the side when he starts like a 5 million expletives when someone like, you know, jump, jumps in front of him online, right? Like it'll come out somewhere. So some of the things we want to be paying attention to are anger issues, controlling tendencies, narcissistic tendencies, right? Is he attentive to you? Does he listen to you? Does he say, you know, are you hungry? Should we get something to eat? Or does he just do things his way and not paying attention to your needs? These are things we want to be extra focused on when we're dating. And we cannot really do that successfully if we're drugged up on oxytocin and dopamine and all the rest. So we want to really try to, you know, date twice a week, try to be objective, take the physical off the table, have your deal breakers in mind. I really strongly recommend a dating mentor. It doesn't have to be me, but someone objective in your corner. You know, I saw it. We thank God just married off our first daughter, as you know, a couple of months ago. Most and I saw so clearly 
I was not able to be objective with her. It was so interesting. I was like very emotionally connected. And my daughter said to me, mama, how come you're not, you know, asking me the questions that you ask your clients, you know, people hear me coaching with her, like, why aren't you treating me like that? And I said, Dahlia, if I was able to do that, I'd be a really bad mother. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm much more emotionally connected to you, which is why I feel like having a dating coach or a mentor is so, so important. Talking to your mom is just not going to be the same objective voice. She's too connected. It's too emotional for her. So yes. you need to find someone like outside of your situation who's just totally objective. It's like I'm taking in the data and I don't, I'm not wedded to a particular outcome. I just want to help you make great decisions for yourself. Right. And that makes a lot of sense. It really, really does. Because the more objective you are, the more you could see, the more you could see the red flags and the more you could see yes. the positive qualities of the other person. Exactly. So, yeah. It's very, very important. And also, I know, I know that you help um, the dating coaching, but do you also help match people up like Shadhan style matchmaker? Thank style? you so much for asking that question. No, I do not. It's not my skill set, And it's the first question everyone asks me. Okay. I when just I want to post, clarify. Yes. Yeah, so when I post on social media, the number we're up to, I always get like three requests. <gasps> can you set up me, my sister, my cousin, my friend? And I, so I made a video. You can check this out on my YouTube channel, which is my name um, called I'm not your matchmaker because I felt it was such a, I wanted to kind of make it funny, but it was such a common question that I get. It's just not my skill set. So what coaching really is, is helping to clarify what's important to you, your deal breaker list, help you to date in a smarter, more efficient fashion. And then I'm really like a crisis hotline. People call me from the bathroom on dates, you know? <laughs> like, how do I leave quickly? Right. Uh, you know, or after the date, certainly five, 10, 15 minutes, let's go over what happened. Are there any red flags? Does he have my deal breakers? How was the attraction? How do I bring up this difficult conversation? Like it's just literally in real time. It's a very different modality than therapy where you have to kind of store up for the week and speak for an hour on Thursdays. What I do is really crisis hotline, like in real time, let's speak after every date or two and really make sure we're making good decisions. Wow. That's really special. You're like almost like a best friend to them. Like they could just yeah. call you. An objective, an objective. Best <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, we spoke a little bit about how to figure out who you're, if you, who you're dating is the right person and really meant for you. And we also talked about some of the bad patterns and the red flags to look out for, but I want to focus for a few minutes on the women themselves. We all want to put our best foot forward. Everything we say and do sends out a message to others about ourselves, our speech and our action define us. They show the world who we are. And I want to see how women can unify their insides and their outsides so they can present themselves authentically as they really are, giving them the best possible chance of attracting the mate that is really the best for them. Excellent question. So a stylist once called, said to me, we call this image integrity. So image integrity means that my outside and my inside are matching. This actually is really the deeper concept behind the Jewish concept of tznut, which is badly translated as modesty. What it really means is my inside and my outsides are matching, right? The messages that I'm really trying to convey from my soul, from my inside, match my outside presentation. So in dating, this is uber important because I know for myself, <laughs> I'll just overshare here. When I was dating, I was like, gee, I don't know why I keep attracting these like players who don't want anything serious. Hmm. Okay. So then eventually someone pointed out to me that maybe the messages that I was sending on my outsides, and this is not just dress, 
It's speech, as you said, it's action. It's like your vibe. Yes. My vibe was not in congruence with my inner message, which was, I really want to get married and I want to marry a quality person. But my whole vibe, including my dress, was communicating something else. So I had to get those in line. And again, we call this image integrity, that our messages are matching. So every woman that I know, again, regardless of religiosity, we want a man to fall in love with our soul. Yes. With who we are, mm-hmm. our intellect, our soul, the fact that we're a good person, our unique personality. That's what we want him to fall in love with. But unfortunately, sometimes we lead with our body. And so it's like so in the spotlight that it's almost like he can't see anything else besides your outside. So I usually encourage women to present themselves beautifully, classy you know, make up hair, put yourself together in a great way, but not leading with your body. We want to be dressed a little bit more conservatively, particularly up here, because that's when you're sitting on, you know, on a date, that's what's showing. We want to just be dressed a little bit more conservatively so that we are really leading with our soul. And I, I say this to my, all my clients, no matter, again, regardless of religiosity, it's not my business, what you do in your private time or how you dress or anything like that. But on a date, it's my business because I want you to present yourself in a way that's really highlighting your insides that he can see that. So it's not about dressing in a bag or a potato sack or wearing a burqa. God forbid, that's not what we're talking about. We should dress beautifully you know, classy, gorgeous, and refined, but not in a way where our body's in the spotlight. We want to really highlight our insides. And that's, you know, it's, it's not an easy concept. It's something I struggled with. I mean, I still struggle with, um, but it was very, very hard for me. I didn't grow up religious and I wore whatever. And, um, you know, through the dating process, I slowly started just dressing a little bit more conservatively. And I was noticing I was kind of attracting different types of people based on how I was presenting myself. So it is what it is. And I do try to get women to have, again, what we call image integrity. Beautiful. That's so beautiful. And you're so right. The way that you present yourself, you know, that's who you're going to attract. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we will have high expectations for the person that we're going to eventually marry, but those expectations might not be realistic. I want to see if maybe you have some tips that you can give to women so that they could set reasonable expectations for both themselves and also for the person that they're dating. Great. So I call this the composite picture of everyone we've dated. Sometimes when we've been dating for a while, we start to make this picture, mental picture in our head of all the positive traits that we ever dated. And we're like putting that together in one person and looking for that person. And obviously this man does not walk planet earth, right? So (laughs) what we want to do instead is again, clarify our deal breaker list so that we really highlight and like have our vision focused on what's uniquely important to me. People often say to me, doesn't everyone have the same deal breaker list? And I'm like, No, it's shocking. Really, it's amazing. Everyone has such a unique list, really based on like your own personal experiences and your home of upbringing, your past relationships. We each have a very unique list. So we don't want to look for like Mr. Perfect. Again, we want to look for Mr. Perfect for you, which means your deal breaker list is front and center. Additionally, I always tell people if there's anything that can be easily fixed, we don't want to pay attention to that. Teeth, hair, clothing, beard, Anything that's like very easily aesthetically fixable, please don't get stuck on that because you can take them shopping, right? And I've had a couple of clients who 
<laughs> who took their guy shopping and they were like, oh, now he looks so cute, right? So don't get stuck on these things that are easily fixable. We want to really focus our, our vision on his inner core, right? Does Again, does he have my deal breaker list? Are values aligned? Is he a good person? Does he have a leave tove? Is he like attentive and a good listener and, and really wanting to like take care of me and make me happy? So that's A. B, so anything easily fixed, don't pay attention to. B, this guy is not going to be your BFF girlfriend. He's a man. So he's going to be different. If we're expecting that my husband should be my best girlfriend, we're going to be sorely disappointed. Example, women are made that we just naturally validate each other. Oh my gosh, the same thing happened to me at Target yesterday. It was so annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. Right. And you have this like awesome conversation. Men typically aren't as good at validating. Um, and so he might be like, wait, why did that upset you? And you're like, <laughs> okay. So like, it's, it's just normal. We have to like expect he's, he's a man. Right. And obviously there's exceptions. There are men that have more sensitive qualities, et cetera, et cetera. And if that's your deal breaker, put that on your list. Right. But if you're, if you're attracted to a certain type of like masculinity, he might not be the most like you know, sensitive, validating guy at the moment that you're dating him. Now, obviously we grow in marriage, we change. It's important not to sweep everything under the carpet. You remember this from our classes, yeah. right? We want to like choose our battles. And like when something needs to be said, we need to say it in a nice and respectful way, but we do need to assert ourselves. We can't just, my, my tagline is feminine, but assertive. So with a big smile on your face, you can do this when you're dating or when you're married, honey, I know it wasn't your intention to upset me because you're, you're an awesome person. It made me, I statement, it made me feel blank, sad, whatever. When you said this, I know you didn't mean it, but is there any way you could phrase it like this? So you're, you're speaking sweetly with a smile on your face, not getting him all defensive. What are you saying? I'm a bad husband, right? We don't want to go there. We want to just be like, we're both we both step on each other's toes sometimes. So I'm just letting you know that you stepped on my toes and that this is a, a better way to phrase it where I'll hear it better. It's just, it's like basic communication tactics that we all mess up at times. Um, but choosing your battles is very, very important. But I think that last point of like not expecting your husband to be your best girlfriend is very, very important. Yes. Oh, for sure. I definitely agree. You have your regular girlfriends for that. Like you have yeah, your and that's very that. important to have that throughout your life. You to expect our husband to address every single one of our emotional needs, I don't think is a realistic expectation. He should for sure become your best friend, but he's not going to be your best girlfriend. There's sure. something very special about that. <laughs> yes, for sure. And I want to ask one last question for our listeners who are already married. So what is the best way to communicate with your spouse who is just going through the day-to-day -day motions, getting up in the morning, working either from home or going into the office, coming home, eating dinner, watching TV and going to sleep? I mean, just really going through the motions of day-to-day -day life, but not really connecting on an emotional level in the marriage. Okay. I'm so glad you asked me this because I've racked my brains over the 20 years that I've been teaching and coaching and, you know, dealing with married women. What is the biggest mistake? that all married couples make, not enough quality time, sure. myself included. This is something that my husband and I are constantly working on when you're in baby time zone, you know, with lots of little kids, this is extremely hard, but doable. And obviously as your kids grow older, you want to more and more prioritize quality time. So what do I mean by that? Number one, at the end of the day for maybe 15, 20 minutes, have some tea and connect. 
how was your day? How was your day? This, that, just so you have a point of connection every day. If you're not able to do it one evening because he's coming home late from work or whatever, and you're wanting to go to sleep. Okay. So have breakfast together, right? Just like that. There's a daily, hopefully a daily point of connection where you reconnect. That's a B I'm a big proponent of date night. Um, my friend gave great advice. She said, have a regular babysitter that every week she comes on the same day and time, unless you cancel her, this gets rid of the problem that I'm sure both of us have had where you end up calling 25 people and you can't get us You know what? I'm too tired. We're staying home, right? Like by the time you're done that. So having a regular sitter, who's literally, this is her regular job once a week, every Wednesday or every Saturday night, she comes and you're able to go out. So that's date night. We want to aim for once a week with date night. You won't get it because things come up, but if you aim for once a week, you'll get two, three times a month. If you aim for once a month, you'll get once a year. Okay. So we want to aim a little bit higher than we know we can do. Um, and having a night away in a hotel, you can find cheap hotel deals, whatever it is, but as often as possible, getting away for a night. I just spoke to one of, one of my friends about this and she's like, it's literally a game changer. It's such a game changer. Now, when I had little kids at home, it took 15 years for us to get away for more than one night, but one night is still amazing. Now we go away, obviously much more frequently because my kids are older, but it is literally a game changer. As long as someone can say, mommy, you're not a hundred percent in wife mode, right. right? So as soon as you walk down the steps of your house and go somewhere with your husband, whether it's date night or a night away, you are automatically like switching the gears to now I'm in wife mode and he's in husband mode. I always tell people the qualifications for date night are he leaves his phone at home. You take your phone and have it on vibrate for the babysitter. Try not to talk about the business of the relationship on the date, mortgage, bills, diapers, potty training, right? Like we're going to try to not talk about that on the date. That could be a different night, but date night is really for like when you were dating. What did we do when we were dating? We talked about dreams, goals, what we appreciated in each other. And we get away from that. And then it's normal that you don't feel connected to your husband if all you're doing is talking about the business of the relationship and you don't have any quality time together. Of course, it's not going to it's not going to be good. So I compare marriage to a garden. If you don't water it and you don't weed it, it's going to be totally overtaken by a wilderness. And then unfortunately, as we know, some divorces happen when the kids leave the house. Right. You have an empty nest. And all of a sudden we look and we're like, who are you? <laughs> right. So we don't want to do that. We want to really be watering the garden of our marriage all throughout our life, even when it's stressful and busy and crazy and all the kids and Shabbat and holidays and all that stuff. We can still maintain, hopefully, that once a week date night. You know, again, you won't get it every week, but we want to try our best. And I also just want to mention that, you know, texting gets a bad rap um, and we don't want to overuse it in dating or marriage, but I personally find that just having a little bit of a text connection throughout the workday where we're both busy, me and my husband, but just like a little, you know, I'm in big into emojis, right? And we just like, you know, text back and forth a little bit, like nice, sweet things. So that there's like kind of this umbilical cord of connection between the two of you throughout the day. And then again, at the end of the day, it's either date night or sit and have tea for 20 minutes and reconnect. But that you know, to go eight hours or nine hours with no contact 
I don't think is super healthy. So having that, just that point of connection with texting, I find is helpful. Um, and I know people have told me that it was helpful. And lastly, I really find the five love languages. I know this has been mentioned on the show before is really a game changer. My husband and I read that book when we were married already 15 years and he turns to me and he says, I understand you for the first time ever. <laughs> wow, that's okay. Yeah. It's really powerful because my top love language is his last and vice versa. Which is not, and again, having proper expectations for marriage. To me, that's not shocking, right? I believe that, you know, we're here to grow and marriage is very, uh, the best Petri dish to grow your, your character traits. So of course, God is going to put you together with someone who's very different than you. It's not shocking to me at all that our love languages are flipped. But when he read that book, he was like, oh, I finally know how to, I'm acts of service, right? So like he could be saying, I love you, date night, gifts, hugs and kisses, and I won't feel loved unless he's like, I'm going to load the dishwasher and put the kids to bed. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) angels are singing, right? But it would never have occurred to him because it's not on his radar. So that book was just a big game changer. I know for us and for many married couples, I know. So the answer to your question also is that we want to really be prioritizing giving in the other person's love language. So whatever that is, words of affirmation, gifts, physical touch, quality time, acts of service, take the quiz online, both of you, and figure out like if I have X amount of time per week to give to my husband, I certainly want to be targeting it to what he needs most and vice versa. Cause then you don't get so frustrated and, and overextended and you feel like I'm giving so much and he doesn't appreciate it because you're not giving exactly what he needs and vice versa. It's so smart. It really, really is. I appreciate you bringing that up. It's the five love languages by Gary Chapman. If anybody wants to get the book. Um, So thank you so much, Robertson Devorah, for taking the time to join us in America's Top Robertsons. We really appreciate you being here. I think that you really taught us all a lot. Um, we, hope so that learning, <laughs> we hope that the learning today uh, will be for Rafu Shalema, for Rima Batmazal, and also for Lear Tovia Benhaya Ashna. If anyone in the audience has any questions or comments about the podcast, please email us at atrebitsons at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.